I'm Matt Henshaw. I'm the writer and editor of Old Wyeth Scope's Quarterly Concern and the upcoming Nefallen University Course Catalog. And I'm Matthew M. Bartlett, author of Gateways to Abomination and other works of supernatural fiction. I am a fan of both you guys. And your content does circle around similar similar if not adjacent universes and i adore i adore them both um it was a uh, surprise meeting with matt henshaw that led this to actually be in existence so matt matt bartlett i apologize <laughs> um bartlett what have you been working on lately I have been working on my um, 2022 chapbook subscription series, um, which is uh, one uh, chapbook of fiction every month for the year. I'm currently writing the August uh, issue, mm -hmm. trying to stay ahead so that uh, I can hopefully complete it uh, and then have uh, a little bit of time in the summer for other projects. Um, but for now and at the moment, that's my main uh, project. Awesome. So tell us a little more about the subscription Patreon that you have. Okay. Um, the Patreon is separate from the chat books. And that oh. is um, the Patreon is um, an ongoing work of fiction, but also includes um, photographs and uh, old older pieces of fiction and stuff like that. Um, whereas the chapbook subscription series is something you can um, purchase on my uh, on one of my websites, a Square website, uh, where I also sell books. Uh, basically, it's a, um, for the base subscription, uh, $20 a month um, gets you a chapbook, um, which is signed and paw printed by my cats, which is actually a little rubber stamp I have with their actual paw prints. And um, then the upper or higher tiers are a little more expensive, um, come with like a, I doodle in it and personalize it. And um, subscribers get a, a t-shirt after the end of the year and then a book uh, comprising all the, uh, all the chat books. Uh, so that has been a, um, an ongoing project since uh, January of 2021. I uh, was able to continue it this year and still trying to figure out whether it's viable for another year after this. Okay. Now, I, I must commend and applaud you for doing something productive during the years of 2020 and <laughs> 2021. Um, and I will flip over to Matt Henshaw. Now, Please share with us what is in your wheelhouse at the moment. Okay, so um, one thing that I've just kind of passed off to the publisher is um, this Nefallen University course catalog. Um, it's an idea I kind of conceived of uh, last spring in 2021 and uh, publisher um, Madness Heart Press. They're out of Austin, Texas. Um, the publishing editor contacted me and said, hey, that sounds like kind of a cool idea. What what ideas do you have for that? And initially, my thought was that it would be kind of a twice a year, you know, 60 page chapbook sort of thing. Uh, 
that was just full of weird college courses. Um, I didn't think at the time of like Miskatonic University, but that is kind of like what it is, um, but not in Lovecraftian terms. Um, it kind of blew up into a like a call for submissions. Um, we had like over 50 authors submit like coursework. And I mean, things from like, you know, a three sentence course description to like entire departments. And hmm. uh, it was kind of amazing seeing this all come in. And, you know, I had already written, you know, six or seven departments on my own. Um, but then to see these other folks come in and just like knock it out of the park. Um, I'm really excited by, uh, you know, what, what it's kind of become and, and what it's going to, what the final product is going to look like. So just, and by virtue of the fact that it was kind of my idea, the publisher was nice enough to say, you're the editor of this. So you like, you do what you need to do to make, get this like whipped into shape, you know, and add courses and add other content and stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun. So that just got sent to our layout person. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, what her schedule is as far as, uh, you know, what, what time she needs to take to get it further whipped into shape, but I'm hoping by like, you know, summer of this year that I'll be able to announce like a street date for it. That's um, wonderful. Yep. And then the, the other major thing that's really been the last, like, I kind of can't believe it's been two months, uh, is this old Wyeth Scopes quarterly concern thing, which is uh, um, just this weird, very weird project that I've kind of infected my brain. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of like what I imagine an almanac would look like today, but full of weird and strange and sometimes really gross content. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, in, in large part, um, thanks to the artist and sometimes writer, uh, Matt Fitzsimmons, who mm -hmm. illustrated uh, Matt Bartlett's uh, program guide. And uh, he was kind enough to kind of introduce us virtually. And it's kind of just been running from there. You know, we're, we're passing emails back and forth. He has like writing stuff that I think is really strong and love to give him a format to, or, you know, forum to, uh, to present it. So yeah, we're, I'm just about to start issue six. Um, and I'm getting issue three back from the printer on Friday of this week. So once I get the full year, then I'll be kind of starting up the blog spot page I have set for it. And, uh, setting this is the worst part to me is like setting the price of it because i don't want price to be a barrier to folks you know i'm relatively new to the scene and so you know i'm trying to be conscientious of that but i think i think we got like a nice uh, a nice price point uh, for the product and uh, i'm really excited to share it with people Yes, I, and the, the product is worth it. I'm, ju I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there, that it definitely is. I found a great deal of enjoyment in the piece that I read from you, Matt Henshaw. Um, here's just the fun part of, of having two mats in one room. 
And I, I apologize for repeating the same things over and over again. That's okay. So, uh, Bartlett, I do have a question for you that has been uh, kind of in the back of my mind since you made the great leap forward into writing full time. How has that worked for you so far? So far, very good. Yeah, I don't want to don't want to jinx it. But um, I, I left the uh, full time job in November mm-hmm. of 2020 with an eye towards starting this chapbook subscription series, um, mm-hmm. and with enough savings to stand as backup. Um, and it was um, was not a rash decision, but it was definitely stepping off a diving board and not knowing whether the pool was uh, had sufficient water in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so far, so good. As I've said, the um, subscription series has been uh, successful. There were more subscribers the first year uh, than the second. So I'm uh, trying to see what I can do to to bring in more uh, more people for next year. Um, again, if I go ahead with it, which I'm thinking I probably, I, I definitely want to. Well, um, I I can tell from, from your, your posts and, and I apologize for seeming like I'm, I'm kind of a silent observer of sorts, but I I've noticed from your posts that it has affected you in a much more positive and relaxed way. Um, you you definitely seem more pleased. <laughs> I was <laughs> under um, uh, significant stress uh, for most of uh, 2019 and 2020. Um, and there has been, you know, there's, there's always stress in life. But I would say 98% of my stress was coming from this particular uh, position in this particular place. Um, so it's an adjustment. And I, obviously, it's a positive adjustment, but it's almost like a weird, uh, unpleasant companion that you've lived with for uh, months and months is just gone. Um, so there's an adjustment period where you're like, am I really not stressed at all? Um, that seems wrong. I, I should figure out something to worry about uh, or be stressed about or whatever it is. But the, uh, as some writer said online, I think it was uh, Nick uh, Mamatas said um, that when you write full time, most of what you do is just goof around. And that's been an adjustment, too, because I'm like, why well, I, I should be writing for eight hours, you know, or I sure should be writing for seven hours. And it doesn't work that way. So I've taken on some part time, uh, very low and no stress part-time work um, to fill a little bit of that uh, time. But you get in 500 to 1,000 words a day, and that that is not <laughs> not a full day. It's a full day's worth of work, but it doesn't take up the full day. So um, there's reading and research, things like this. Um, and it's just been a matter of carving out some kind of a some kind of a schedule, 500 words in the morning or thereabouts, mm-hmm. uh, errands, uh, research, 
uh, getting caught in a YouTube vortex of one kind or another. <laughs> and then another 500, another 200 to 500 words in the afternoon. And then sitting back and saying, all right, I, I actually did something because it can feel like it wasn't much, but uh, it, it adds up and you find that it, uh, you're, the full-time job of writing creeps into the weekends, but it's not unpleasant. <laughs> So, yeah, it's been, uh, I feel like I'm still adjusting to, uh, to this new way of uh, uh, living. Well, it, it, it definitely seems like you've been breathing a lot easier, and I'm, I'm glad for it. Thank you. Yeah, it was getting to be an emergency. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Matt Henshaw, what is your approach to uh, schedule, if anything? regarding that uh does it just happen when it happens or do you try to structure your day around uh, this is going to and then this and then well i'm i'm still kind of trying to figure that out um for myself there have been you know with the course catalog for instance i did actually like you know schedule time off for my job so I could have like a full day where I can just focus on, okay, making sure like all the codes for the courses kind of line up right. And, you know, is there a hint in this one course that suggests maybe another course in there? Um, with the with Almanac, it's been more kind of like uh, catching the creativity when it happens. So mm -hmm. I might be on a walk and I'll just have like, uh, a phrase will pop in my head. So I go to my phone, I make a little note to myself, or if I have a pad of paper with me, I'll kind of scroll that down. And then uh, depending on how like the rest of the day goes, maybe more gets kind of connected to that, you know? And uh, so it, it's, so that's a little bit more like kind of free form than what the catalog was. And I think if I start to get into more kind of like, uh, more stuff that's like outside of my wheelhouse, right? So I th I think like the, the style of writing I do for the Almanac is kind of specific and, and it feels comfortable to me. I want to kind of break out of that a little bit, like break into more genre, like maybe do more like character work as far as like making characters relatable and people you feel for and not so much just running them through horrible situations that I can imagine, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's all like, that's all like discipline I need to like kind of enforce on myself. And maybe that will lead to more of like a, a set process of, you know, kind of like Matt was saying, you know, sit down in the morning, like, you know, crunch X number of words. And then later in the day, kind of come back to it, edit it, add, you know, Y number of words to that and stuff. Man, I, I just know if I could, if I could only instate some sort of structure upon myself, the uh, <laughs> work that I might be able to actually get done would be amazing. Um, so, uh, Bartlett, uh, regarding uh, your character creation, um, what is there a set structure to doing that that you approach it with or no? No, I mean, I organic. It's organic. I, I um, start with a situation or an image or an idea. Uh, and then I 
um, describe somebody physically. And then I'm like, all right, well, who is this individual? Uh, and, I, and I figure, well, I'll throw in, since the, the structure of the um, chat books this year is almost more of a novelistic approach. Um, and it's kind of coming out. It's not the typical way someone would, would write a novel. In other words, as I'm writing the seventh installment, the third installment is already being read. So I can't go back and change anything at that point. So um, it's kind of working from what came before. And I think, well, you know, maybe uh, a couple chapters from now, I'll go back and explain this person that I've briefly described. Uh, and then someday, a couple years from now, um, I'll kind of rework the whole thing and put it into more of a novel because the chapbooks also have interstitial uh, pieces that just come up as they occur to me and, and fragments and vignettes that don't really have to do with the larger narrative. Uh, but character work, um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Matt. I tend to um, have been more sort of Legati-esque in terms, not necessarily of the the degree of skill, but in in the fact that I have not um, worked really hard to create likable characters. Um, they're mostly ciphers or um, oddballs um, without much background, and so it's it's fun to try a little bit of the other thing and, and um, um, get some people onto the page that are interesting and uh, you might uh, want to know more about or be somewhat concerned about what happens to them. It's not my not my normal method of operation. So it's a kind of a new and novel thing to, to do. Okay. Now, uh, oh gosh, Matt Henshaw, um, regarding your almanac, yeah. Uh, I, I was going through uh, what you had written for the first installment, with, which I've read and love, and uh, I couldn't help but think about reading old almanacs that I had run across at other family members' homes. Like, yeah. I was reading one from like 1930-something, and yeah. it was talking about... Uh, almost interdimensional. Uh, <laughs> it, it seriously interdimensional. Like this, this lady had disappeared from the farm, and they heard her screaming, "Like, hey, help!" That they, they heard her, but she was invisible. They couldn't see her, oh and then, it, huh? No, I'm 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 amazed by this. Go on, keep going. <laughs> they couldn't see her. Like the family couldn't see her. They're like, Mom, Mom, where are you? Ah, you know, <laughs> she's still trying, still trying to like. I I can see guys, but I'm hungry here. It's cold, you know. And and I'm thinking, okay, who killed who? And what kind of lie did they say to get the authorities to believe that this lady's in another dimension yelling for help? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it it just it really grabbed me and took me back to reading that stuff as as a kid. And uh, yeah, 
Yeah, of course it would be thrown into, it would be in an almanac. That's, that's amazing to me because I have to be honest, I have not looked in an almanac at all in the course of this project. So when I, I was talking to my parents who, you know, are, they, they're very, I'm lucky they're very supportive of like my creative output and stuff. And my dad starts telling me about this almanac stuff because he had them growing up in the house, but I never looked at them because I'm like, that's for farmers, man. Like I I'm not a farmer, you know? Um, so this is really just like out of my imagination. I'm like, okay. And I think the impetus was, you know, so Matt Fitzsimmons, you know, said, if you ever want to work on something, let me know. And I happened to come across this like Atlas Obscura article about these bespoke, like, teeny tiny almanacs that they would make in like the 17 and 1800s that were like i mean like literally like the size of maybe four postage stamps together and people would carry these around like they were objects of like uh status almost Mm -hmm. so that's where it kind of hits me of like well hold on like a cool little almanac that could be like its own like art object that that might work, you know, but then I had the thought of, okay, like, do I really want to read a bunch of old almanacs or can I just create my own, you know? And so that's how this kind of got born out. So I'm, I'm blown away that this hit a memory for you of reading these like ghost stories and old almanacs. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, I I just I just recommend that you uh, see if you can find one through your library service or interlibrary loan. Try to try to get a couple old almanacs. And actually, uh, funny enough, uh, a couple of years ago, I almost collaborated on a, an almanac idea with somebody, and then it, it turns out that another writer had a whole almanac thing going, and we didn't want to uh, encroach or step on it. And that ended up disappearing entirely. I don't know if it ever came out. Uh, if it did, it, it didn't get a lot of notice. Um, so, but in preparation for that, I bought uh, some old, like falling apart 1800s uh, almanacs, which are somewhere in my apartment right now. I have no idea where. But uh, if I find them, I'd be glad to send them along, Matt, if you have any interest in uh, Oh, my gosh, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 totally, I understand entirely the idea of not uh, looking at them. I think that's kind of a brilliant way to go about it um, because you're, you're really just taking off from your own imagination, and that's, uh, that's admirable. I was going the other way with it, uh, but I don't think I've even looked at these, uh, these old almanacs. And okay. Like I said, I have no idea where they are now. I just I don't think I ever throw them out. So. And I imagine too. I think you you've talked about this in other interviews, where um, where you get your names of characters from. Like, like I think you mentioned going through like old town records at some point, and like you could pull names from that. But can you talk about like where you get those names from? Because they're awesome. I love them. Yeah, I I really just. Um put words together in, uh, in ways that uh, amuse me. And I do, I, I look at old, um, the newspaper in our area has a, a section on Sundays where they do little, little news items from 
50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And the names on those are out of out of control, too. So I would just usually take an old name that people don't have much anymore, like, you know, Hosiah or Jebediah or whatever. And then just off the top of my head, throw throw two disparate words together. I also you looked up like old names of diseases yeah. that don't know, that don't exist anymore. Um, diseases, disorders. um that have gone out of, uh, you know, been cured out of existence or whatever, what have you. Um, and then you just throw a, a violent word in there or something. And, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I don't know. I just like, and, and when I was doing those names, and I used to do a lot of ridiculous names in, in Gateways to Abomination and, and those books, those were, <laughs> that, yeah, that's kind of how I did them. And it was sort of fun for me to come up with these bizarre unpleasant names and it turned out to be kind of a memorable a memorable thing but at the time i was just trying to amuse myself you know and the yeah. six or so people who was reading who were reading these what initially were uh, live journal um um uh blog posts yeah well it wasn't just you apparently that, that, <laughs> that you were uh that you were entertaining and no 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 <laughs> no no not at all Oh gosh, I I got I got so stuck uh, stuck in the discussion there. Um, oh, what was it? oh what else was I going to ask? Oh, yeah, and through talking with Matt Henshaw before you showed up, Bartlett, uh, that also reminded me of the uh, the propensity for you both to gravitate toward and orbit around folk horror, which there there is definitely, definitely so much room in there. And I I was talking with Henshaw about an event that I had to an, an experience that I had. And and then I heard the sentence escape my lips of and then the snakes started you know, <laughs> and, and then it's like, oh, wait, yeah, I, I have had quite a few of those strange rural experiences <laughs> in my own life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you both um, completing and placing so much work in the world uh, that contains experiences like that, that I can also glom onto, like I relate to that. Too. <laughs> well, I, I've said it be, before, you know, so there was the Hymns of Abomination uh, tribute anthology that came out last year from Silent Motorist Media. <laughs> and when I was writing my review of it, and, you know, this is something that uh, Matt does so well, is he, he kind of creates this world that invites you to play in it. Like, yeah. When when I first read hymns, uh, you know, gateways, um, it just like sparked something in my brain of like, how can I like get into this? Because this like really resonates with me. Like, just the weird sort of diversions that it takes and the short, you know, little pieces um, that they're just like super evocative. You know, um, clearly that anthology is proof that I mean, he's he's doing something that is like a lot of fun for people to, 
kind of engage with and, and play in. And um, so, uh, you know, you, to your point, I mean, it's it's just um, it's it's a wonderful world to to sort of enjoy, and then to to be able to you know even live and, and create in in kind of a parallel way something else that's that's similar is is really special and i really appreciate that about him and and again i i do appreciate the willingness of you both to hop on the zoom call with me together um oh gosh bartlett i've got to ask how's larry he's good he's in my view right now he's curling up on the little platform that we have at the window um, above a bookshelf and uh, kind of got his head nodded a little bit. And so he's, yeah, he's all right. He's doing the, he's on neighborhood watch. Nice. Um, yeah. And um, meanwhile, my, my wife has gone into the bedroom to read and, and Peach Pie always eagerly trots in after her. So I'm sure he's uh, snuggled up next to her, but Larry is, Decided to hang uh, to hang with Dad a little bit for the evening, which is always nice. Maybe he'll maybe he'll drop by on camera if he gets a little restless later. We'll see. Okay. And uh, Henshaw, I don't. Rem- Do you have any pets? I saw a little yeah, we tail have go two. by on the screen. <laughs> yep. So that was probably uh, Doctor Rumi Peepers, um, oh. who. Uh, let's see where he's at. Oh, he's in his office now. That's <laughs> a little uh, circle platform thing. So he's okay. he's being a little shy. And we also have um, my we we adopted my mother in law's cat, uh, Bo, mm-hmm. who is in the bedroom with my wife, who is reading now uh-huh. as well. So um, yeah, I found Rumi. Um, it was nine years ago, mm-hmm. um, last month. We have a roomyversary day for him. Um, I was driving into my uh, my previous job and stopped at a gas station and uh, walked back out to my car. And there's this cat standing by the dumpster. And I kind of did my little, you know, piss, piss, piss fingers at him. And he ran right over and jumped in my lap. And I was like, well, this must belong to somebody, you know. It, so it, well, it shows you. So yeah, well, I dropped it off at the town hall, and they, I said, this must belong to somebody. You know, I don't want him to be lost or anything. And they said, oh, that cat's been behind the gas station for like two months. We're, we'll just call oh. animal control. And I was like, no, you're not. I'll, I, I will take him in. And good, very good. Yes. <laughs> yep. Very, very good. Okay, so. Earwig has absconded off with my husband elsewhere, and they're playing video games together, I imagine. Yes. (laughs) I wondered, Leah, a question for you, because this is like, uh, you know, the Legends of Tabletop, and it's like game based i know from from looking at the podcast episodes and the website and everything mm-hmm. yes um what are some games that you enjoy playing and matt have you ever gotten into like the tabletop role-playing game thing at all um i have not or not since i was very young um it's just kind of not on my radar much you know what i mean um yeah but i have a lot of friends who do and, and are interested in it but yeah it's just one of those things that uh never really, I never really cottoned to. Oh, well, 
Uh, Henshaw, I appreciate your question. Um, let's see, tabletop games, we have a weekly Dungeons and Dragons game over here okay. um, that we play once a week and it changes every once in a while. Sometimes we'll do Gamma World. Um, it just depends on my husband's mood of what he would like to run. He just ended a 30 year campaign with his online gaming group. Okay. Yeah. And so they're getting ready to start a new multi generational epic. And I don't know where that's going to take him. I do like to play Call of Cthulhu um, more often than not. Um, okay. And Let's see. The last time I played that was a couple of years ago. Um, video games, I'm gravitating away from that. And that is probably the reason why you see more of the podcasts from uh, John Haremza, which is my editor for the things that I do for Legends of Tabletop. And I appreciate being given the space to write the book reviews that I do write. So, yeah. yeah I, it's funny. I'm kind of the same way as Matt. Like mm -hmm. when I was growing up, I never, I actually never really got into role-playing games at all. Um, sometimes like friends of mine would, and I was more entertained watching them play than actually like playing along with them. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, like some of the books, I, I, I appreciate the art of like a Morkborg, you know, like that, that again is like an art object. Um, mm -hmm. But the times I've done role-playing games, it's always felt like I don't want to mess up what the game master is doing <laughs> or planning. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's funny that I, I have peers who are like, you must be into role-playing games. Right. And I was like, well, no, I actually am like, I, I'm really uh, kind of in awe of the skills, the creative skills that it takes to do something like that. It's not something that I think I have. And it's like almost, it's almost like too improvisational to me, <laughs> like oh. for, for that, like kind of creativity, like I can do improvisation in other contexts, you know, like musically and stuff, but like. <laughs> coming up with a story off the top of my head that's not that's not easy for me to do. <laughs> i had the uh, i had the books and everything i had the monster manual i had i even had a dungeon master's guide and we're talking you know 1983 84 ah. here and um but we didn't we didn't know what we were doing when we played you know we probably didn't play if there are rules we didn't we didn't play much by them uh and uh it was good for me at the time it was good to be part of that uh group uh we you know i was in the club in middle school and everything but um and i, I don't want I don't want it to sound like oh that's something i did in sixth grade that's for right. kids i don't you know i don't believe that i'm very um i think it's probably as a creative exercise very healthy uh um and and fun thing to do but it's yeah it's just kind of not not a like my games are limited to words with friends and uh, a word once a day. And uh, yeah. yeah, I had to eight a couple of years ago, I had to make sure to take Candy Crush off my phone so that I didn't you know, <laughs> become addicted to it. And um, but yeah, role playing games and tabletop, um, something I have a, a, an admiration for 
but uh, no no desire to, I think, take part in for whatever reason. Okay. Now, uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? <laughs> Discuss. Well, I mean, obviously the the going sort of thing is that Star Trek is uh, intellectual, more science fiction, and Star Wars is more of like basically just a Western that happens to be set in uh, space, right? But I saw Star Wars in the theater at eight years old and was so completely blown away by it um, that even though I've since watched uh, Star Trek, there's just something in my heart for Star Wars. And yet I'm like one of those stodgy, annoying people who's like, there were only three Star Wars movies. The last one was in 1983. It was called Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, sadly enough, they haven't done anything else with the franchise. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, which is is almost true. I, I liked uh, the, the, uh, one of the recent ones, I think, that J.J. Abrams did. Well, that's not recent anymore. It's probably a decade old by now. Um uh, and I watched only Star Wars, the original series. I've not watched any of the subsequent um, iterations of that. So probably a, a bad person to ask, even though I just jumped in <laughs> with my reply. That's okay. And now, what about you, Henshaw? I'll, I'll probably lean more towards the Star Trek side of things. Um, mm-hmm. I, I always liked that it was, you know, for its time, it was groundbreaking in terms of like, an hour-long science fiction drama that had a diverse cast in it um, that tried through allegory to talk about current issues that were you know, important. Um, and I mean, Harlan Ellison wrote an episode of it, you know? Like, oh, yeah. I, I have to, I, I kind of have to give the edge to that, but, you know. It's definitely more of a writer's uh, uh, oriented yeah. Uh, yeah. thing. Mm. I, I know I need to read that script. So the edge of forever? City on the edge of tomorrow? <laughs> no, us know the name. <laughs> oh, no. Forever city on the edge of tomorrow. Land. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Let's see. I'm going to look it up. What do you think about that? City on the edge of forever. Okay. Is what it I, knew, is. I knew forever was in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've got to read that script. Oh, man. Oh, what was I going to... There are more questions. If you could have, Matt Henshaw, if you could have one superpower, which one would you choose? Oh, boy. And why? I think the, the ability to... Um, I think the ability to be invisible because I, I'm kind of an introverted person who doesn't like doesn't always like attention drawn to me so so i guess that that's probably my my uh my superpower would be to be invisible okay damn you henshaw you stole mine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah my my reason uh would be uh more of a i'm a nosy curious person and uh oh you're a boy here well, let's not say, let's not go that far. That makes it sound that dirty, you know? But um, no, I, I definitely... Stop the recording. Stop the recording. Right. Uh, no, I have... I'm very intrigued by the idea of things that are going on behind closed doors that you would not believe, uh, even next door or two doors down or whatever. And um, um, always been interested in 
the fact that there are probably very strange things going on <laughs> everywhere. So yes. yeah, I would want to um, I would want to be that fly in the wall, or rather, an invisible person standing next to the wall. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I understood. Oh man. And oh, it's it's been so long since I've done this. I should have had a printout, and I didn't. I curse my lack of preparation. Um, oh, let's see. Let's try a new one. Matt Henshaw. Okay, your sister, damn it, got one of those one of those little genetic tests. You know, just just like a 23andMe slash Ancestry thing. You just spit in a cup and then you send it off and they tell you all kinds of things. So you take your little test, you spit in a cup, send it off. All of a sudden, black helicopters start swirling around your home and and the Secret Service arrives, men in black. And then you find out that one of your one of your parents shares lineage with someone that came from very, 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 very far away. What does this tell you about yourself? <laughs> well, if it's um, if it's different genetic results than what my sister had, it explains a lot. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, I actually do have a, a younger sister. Um, she's a political science professor in uh, Georgia. And uh, she is, I will always give to her. She is way smarter than I am with stuff. So, um, man, what does it say about me though? Mm-hmm. It, I guess, I guess it explains my weird ideas and that I can, um, that I, I guess I have an imagination that is very different from the rest of my family's. I, and I, I'm so tempted to follow that up with the age-old question that writers are asked of, where do your ideas come from? But no, I'm going to posit this question to Bartlett as well. What, what, the, what, DN, the DNA one? Yeah. What, what does this reveal to you about yourself that you did not know? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have an answer other than it, it does explain some extremely odd dreams uh, that I've been having um, that are linear and yet still extremely surreal. Um, that's pretty much all I got from that, from that one. Okay. Okay. So uh, we, we did go over games, uh, the tabletop or video games. Matt Henshaw. Oh, we're we're tabletop family. We like. Uh, see, I'm looking over at our stacks of games there. So we have one called Forbidden Island. That's good for. Uh, so a lot of games are not like really made for two people. It's just my wife and I. Uh, so we rope our cats into playing them with us <laughs> as different characters. Um, but yeah, Forbidden Island is a good one. Uh, Settlers of Catan. We we like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Seven is a card game that's very like the rules change. It's kind of have you ever played Flux before? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's similar to Flux in that the cards kind of dictate what the rules of the game are and stuff. So we'll okay. when we go out of town for a trip and we need something to do in the hotel room, we'll uh, we'll break out one of those and, and play it. So again, video games. It's weird. I I just seem to miss it 
and and that's definitely my parents' fault for not like getting us video game systems. <laughs> but I've always been one more to like watch other people play them and be entertained by that rather than like strapping into Mario Kart and then just failing miserably. <laughs> I'm kind of like, let somebody else do this better you know i absolutely understand and bartlett you had said something about wordle and taking candy crush off of your phone right candy crush became a problem for me at some point <laughs> uh, but um in we had an atari 2600 growing up and um I, I lusted after the ColecoVision at the time was like the next big game and a friend of mine had one in college and he actually got so uh, addicted to Super Mario Brothers that he almost uh, uh, failed out of two classes, even though I said, Kevin, you can pause the game, oh. go to class <laughs> and resume the game when you get back to the dorm room. But that he was that was beyond him. He had to keep oh. playing. It was it was like witnessing uh, a um, serious drug addiction. Wow. I think an inter intervention in the end was required, but um, I've been on and off with video games. Like I bought a PlayStation two literally to play silent Hill, uh, one of the uh, silent Hill uh, games. And then once I was through that, I, I kept it around a while and then I'm like, I just sold it. Uh, and then at some point my parents got uh, me and my wife, a, a, a Nintendo, it was a Nintendo, a Wii. W-I-I, the Wii. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was fun, like shooting sunflowers or whatever it was that you were doing. And uh, <laughs> the uh, thing where it would, you know, you'd swing the controller around and then I mm -hmm. sold that too. <laughs> so yeah. video games, they just don't, they don't take. Like, um, um, and I, my wife and I have a Scrabble somewhere, like the deluxe Scrabble that where the, it spins and you have the, the letters that fit into little pockets rather than just on the surface of the board. Yeah. Um, but we haven't done that for a long time. So yeah, for me, it's pretty much now words with friends, um, which I, I had to, what I had to do with that is I had to stop no notifications because anytime I would get a notification, I would immediately drop whatever I was doing and play and play the term. Oh. Uh, and I began to realize this is just interrupting my life in, in ways that I don't like. So now I play on my own terms, but I do play uh, quite frequently, okay. uh, and that's that's about my speed. Uh, little little word games in the phone. <laughs> that's, about, okay. that's about it. Yeah, the the beauty of Wordle is that it's not like a major time suck. You know, it's like it's <laughs> once a day, and I do yeah. it in the morning, and it's done for the day. And people try to get me into the other ones like Wordle and the dirty word one or whatever, and I'm like, <laughs> nope, 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 just Wordle. That's it. One puzzle a day, done. I post the results and I can move on with my life until the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> a there's a game today's Wordle. Th there's one that's based on Wordle called Absurdle. That uh -huh. like it's it like actually actively tries to beat you. So every time you like choose a letter, it will say like it, it's none of these letters, and then it changes what the word is gonna be. Mm. It's maddening. It's it's yeah, it's, I don't think I I think I would uh, throw my phone. Across the room, I know. I spent you know, I used to be addicted to uh, crossword puzzles for a while. Mm -hmm. Crossword puzzle, I got really into those, um, but I don't like to do them online. I like to do the actual ones, and the 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 weekly uh, 
paper out here, the weekly freebie, you know, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. had the Boston Globe one. And I would do that once a week. And I would do like the USA Today one every day. Uh, you know, the job I had at the time um, made that a kind of an attractive proposition. <laughs> and that fell off too. I just fall off with every game, <laughs> with every game I play. <laughs> okay. Now, I I totally understand on the word and I rem- I also remember the curse word one that one's quite amusing as well but uh thank you both so much uh, as our our interview draws to a close remind us again Bartlett where we can find your work and where we can also find your subscription if we would like to learn more about that. Okay. I think that I've, uh, I've had so many different websites and I've tried to sort of tie them together as best I can. But I think I go, if you go to www.matthewmbartlett.com, uh, the page that you land on there will be, will include links to the other places. So there'll be an Amazon link, a link to the website I use to sell uh, signed books, rarities, and uh, the chapbook subscriptions, uh, a separate site for merchandise like t-shirts, mugs, uh, things like that. Uh, so I, if I've done my job right, which I, I, I believe I have, um, if you go to that uh, www.matthewmbartlett.com, um, you'll find the links there for any anything you'd be interested in. Just for clarification, that is www.matthew.m.bartlett.com or is it all one word with no dots? All one word. All one word. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for clarifying. I I appreciate that. Uh, And Matt Henshaw, where can we find your works? Well, um, like I said, in the next couple of maybe in the next couple of weeks, maybe in a few weeks, um, I'll have a blog spot up for um, the old Wyeth scopes uh, concern. Um, but if you went there now, there wouldn't be anything worth looking at. Um, so I'll say, uh, go to, I have another blog called get out of jail, free mm-hmm. And I try to do at least monthly posts up there with what I'm doing and, you know, what I'm doing writing wise, what I'm doing music wise. Um, and so that's, that's a good place to find like more, more information about my stuff. Excellent. That is great to hear. Again, I thank you both for a wonderful, wonderful discussion. And I look forward to speaking with you both again in the future. Thank you thank for you listening much. to Legends of Tape. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.